Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been talking about Nehemiah. 1st couple of weeks were easy. It's what out there do you see that's that's messing you up, that holy discontent, that thing in your life that needs to be changed, that thing in your life that and, and here's the phrase that's messing us up, that not just could be, but should be. Not just could be, but should be. And we see that that holy discontent, that that you know something's gotta change. It messes us up, and we talked about last week how it drives us to prayer. And not just drives us to prayer for that quick fix, because we, we understand that. It's not knocking anyone. We understand that, that Peter steps out of the boat. They're following Jesus. You're, you're trying to do something for God. You begin going down that quick prayer. Thank God for quick prayers. Amen. But I'm talking about a, a kind of prayer that begins to shape you. And a kind of prayer life that begins to shape we talked about that last week. But today, it's, it's more of a heart issue, quite honestly. Because if, if we're not careful, God answers our prayer. And when God answers your prayer and you're not ready, you really start to pray. And what, what, what we're going to look at this morning is just how we need to be ready for the preparation process that God wants to do in us. Am I really ready for God to do something in me? We talk about this as, as believers all the time, how that God wants to do something in us before he does anything through us. That's not a catchphrase. That's reality. That's reality. Now, if you're like me, <coughs> I just want the miracle. Can I get an amen? Lord, um, things need to be fixed. Please, don't worry about me, Lord. Just fix that. Turn me down, guys. Don't worry about me, Lord. Just fix that. Don't worry about fixing me, Lord. We'll work on that later. Just give us the miracle. And, and we try to biblically live miracle to miracle without us ever changing. And as Dr. Bucci shared this morning, a study out of 1 John, that's just called immaturity over time. That's just called immaturity. You can be in the church for 20 years and still be a toddler. You, you can be in the way for many, many years, only to realize that you're in the way. Now, so wh where are we going with this this morning? I want to just go back to that passage very quickly. Um, had a great story, but we, we moved past that because if, if, you're a, if you're a mom and a dad in here, you know what it was like. Remember that time you, you found out you were having your first baby? Anybody remember that? <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. Diane and I got married young anyway. And after a few years, we decided to start having children. And I can remember that when she, the, the morning she told me that we were expecting, I mean, we cried, we celebrated, we made plans. I mean, we talked about it. We started calling everybody we knew. We started picking out furniture. And then the second day came. You know, because you, you just start planning so much, and, and things just start, you just... You just almost life stands still for about two days. Then you realize you have to go back to work. 
and, and it's like nine months? Why does it take so long to have a baby? Because you're not ready for a baby. You're not ready. There, there's the gestation periods in the life of an embryo that moves us to full maturity so it can be born because if it doesn't move through that process, it can't. But that nine months is doing something more than just creating that powerful life in the womb of a mother. It's creating an opportunity for growth in us to be ready for that baby to come home. I mean, I can remember, I can remember, please don't anyone get offended. Before, John McLeod, before babies, you'd go into a restaurant, and if a baby was crying, it'd be like, ooh, can I get that table in that restaurant across the street, please? But all of a sudden, you find out you're expecting, and you're like watching people with babies. And now, have you ever been around a couple that have like three or four kids, and you're trying to talk to them, and there's World War III going on around you, and they're like, so anyway, yesterday I did this, and I'm like, do you, do you see what's happening everywhere around us? Are you cognizant of the fact that your kids just tore something? You know, <laughs> because, why? Because we as parents, once you start knowing how to have kids, you're like, just don't pay attention, and they'll disappear. Maybe they'll go to the nursery. <laughs> you know, is somebody in there? We don't care right now. Just let them go. They've survived so far. Let's see what happens. It's, um, but what, happened, what would happen if you found out, oh, we're expecting, and the baby was born the next day? See, we pray. That's how we pray, though. God, we need a miracle tomorrow. And God gives you the miracle, and you don't know what to do with it. God gives you the miracle, and you're like, we didn't, you know, even after nine months, come on, men especially. Um, you get that baby home, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And I didn't know it was so easy. <laughs> and then the baby starts crying, and the man's initial instinct is, hey, sweetheart, um, the baby's crying. It takes us a couple of days of lack of sleep to realize you have to get out of bed, too. That was one lesson we didn't learn very well before the first child. And we learn how to change diapers, and we learn how to feed, and we learn how to... That's all a process that you're never really ready for as, as much as you think you're ready for. Now, let's apply that spiritually very quickly, and I'll move on. We have a tendency to, to want to not prepare because we serve an awesome God. We serve a powerful God. So if God, if God desires for me to be there, he will supernaturally put me there. And that's, that would be called child endangerment because you're not prepared. Now here's, I think we all agree with the need for a preparation process. Here's what I want to see in Nehemiah today, that you're already in one. It just doesn't always feel. It's great when preparation includes the meals and classes that you already understand. Doesn't that always, it's always confused me when people want to take classes about something they already know. Because they just want the easy A. Or, or they just want to get through it quickly and without pain. You don't learn anything there. On the other hand, 
I think some of you need to understand you are already in a process. It's all very different, but you're already in a process of development. You'll never stop being in that process, by the way. When you stop growing, you're done. And that's why I mentioned faith this morning, because really all we're talking about is, is faith. Quite honestly, it's faith. And without walking you through all that again, it's really it's understanding that the substance of God himself is at work in you right now. It's not about hoping something happens. It's having the faith that something is happening. You have to need, you, you need to embrace the faith that I'm talking about this morning, that God is doing something in your life right now, and that you're not just trying to get ready for God to use you in the future. It's, it's possible that God is using things to develop you right now. And it's, it's not us building up the tenacity to avoid it, or pray that God take this pain away. You don't understand. He's letting that pain shape you. He's letting that pain put a, a backbone in you. Um, that's missing in our culture. Backbone. A willingness to, to take a hit. A willingness to, to take the load and to bear it. A willingness to bend down, as Jesus said, and deny ourselves and take up our cross. There, there's a weight to that. Now Jesus says, cast all your cares upon him. If you're burdened heavy laden, cast them at Jesus. Why? Because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But you will yoke to him. Now, this whole idea of faith, and the Bible goes on in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith, without understanding, without believing that God is substance in your life, it is impossible to please him. Because he, he loves those who diligently search and find him. And when they find him, expect. Um, so when we, look at, when we look at Nehemiah this morning, <laughs> it's, it's through the lens, quite honestly, that God has placed something in our life that maybe you know needs to change. Maybe you know needs redirection. Maybe you know needs a, a, a supernatural move of God. Maybe you know things could be, but they really should be. Am I making any sense? And instead of saying, God, let this cup pass from me, rather pray, it's not my will. But whatever you're preparing for me, God, let your will be done. So what does that look like? It's preparing you for that delivery date. That thing that you're wanting so desperately to put in the right position, it could be that God's just trying to position you. It could be that God's doing a work in you. <laughs> we see this throughout the Word of God. Uh, Moses, for instance. Moses was born and lived in the house of Pharaoh. But he finally went through a major identity crisis when he found out who his real, who his real people were. And he made some harsh decisions because he, you know, we all are guilty of trying to deal with things on our own. Somebody gets killed along the way. Not really, hopefully. But lives are crushed along the way. But we find him coming to the point where when he finally said, yes, God, I'll do what you want to do. Do you think all those years in the wilderness were a waste of time? 
You think all those years of, of learning. And as a matter of fact, everywhere he was leading his sheep back and forth across that wilderness is the same road that he led those children on when he brought them out of Egypt. It, it's almost like God was having to take him on a tour to let him understand. You don't understand it right now, but you're going to want to know this area in a few years. I know this doesn't make sense right now, but you're going to want to know why you feel the way you do right now because you're going to be walking with a lot of people who are going to be feeling the same way and you're going to have the ability to look back and say let me explain some things to you not in, not in arrogance not in arrogance but I've been there As a matter of fact I've walked here a lot before we got here God used Moses in powerful ways but there was nothing about his life that was wasted God used David. I know these stories are very easy for some of us, but let me just walk us through this very quickly. God used David. Now, we, we know he started out as a shepherd. And it, but the Bible jumps pretty quick to him being anointed king and then killing Goliath, doesn't it? I want us to slow down there just for a moment because as soon as he was anointed king, the first thing his dad did was say, okay, congratulations, go back and start taking care of the sheep. He didn't catch an attitude and say, wait a minute, wait, wait. Didn't you just hear the prophet? Now, now, just hear me. If we're not careful, a lot of us at times want to immediately go from shepherd status to killing giant status without going through the process. What's the process? You've got to kill a bear. You, you, need to be, you need to be walking down the path one day and a lion pop out. I mean, now for us, just right there. I was talking to a few people this last week, some family, and, and they're, they're saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go bear hunting with bows. And I told them, I just picture three or four bears in the wood right now going, yeah, <laughs> they're coming with bows. We got these guys. See, some of us, if we... If we had to face a bear or had to face a lion, whatever that looks like in your life, we would be petrified. But see, and you may be facing that bear and facing that lion right now. And, and listen, it is a, a critical moment. It's a painful moment. It's a scary moment. But faith is the substance. God is with you right there. Your, your faith, not that things could be better, no, no, things should. And I know God's here. I don't know why I'm going through this. Um, even, listen, maybe I do know why I'm going through this. I know exactly why I'm going through this. But I still fight against it. I still wrestle against it. This may rock your theology a little bit, but God is saying, okay, I'm patient. I can, I can let you do that. Go ahead. I'm not saying it's right, but I can let you. You want to suffer? And I'll see you in a few minutes. I'll be right here when you call my name. Why? Because God is preparing you. It's a preparation process. M most of us live, am I making any sense? Most of us live trying to escape that pain. And for some reason, when people tell us to embrace it, or, or when people tell us there's a theology of suffering, we don't want to hear about that. But it's through that process that God is preparing you something greater than you can ever imagine. I look at, at, um, at David when he was trying to take that place of kingship, but with Saul still there, there was no way he was going to usurp the throne. 
And, and God, I believe, brought Saul into David's life so David could learn through that process as he was anointed king, even hanging out in caves, hiding himself from King Saul, living on the run for many, many years. It was that process that I believe God was using Saul to show David the Saul in his life that needed to be killed. See, there's stuff in my life. That, can I just be brutally honest this morning? Most of the stuff that I get upset with people about is stuff that I've not dealt with. Now, think about that for a second. I get edgy when people are late because I, I always get late. I'm mad when people are late because I'm late. You know, you know, on my clock, I'd like to think that 15 minutes early is right on time. So I'm struggling to do that myself. And when I miss it, I get mad at myself. So who do I take it out on? The real people. No. I'm really mad at myself. So what is, what is God trying to get me to do? This isn't a late issue, by the way. What is God trying to get me to do? He's trying to get me to look at self and deal with the stuff in my life because he's preparing. Again, God is always trying to do a work here before he does a work there. Could God change all that? Yes, but would it change you? No. No. I, I, I even see Jesus. You say, Pastor, how can Jesus would have needed to be developed? Bible in chapter Luke 2. In Luke chapter 2, it says that he, he grew in stature and in nature before God. He was, he was God in the flesh. The flesh still had to be developed. The flesh still had to come to maturity. You and I will still go through difficult times. You and I, Jesus, we would have never, if Jesus had not experienced those things in his own life, you and I would never be able to say, well, Jesus doesn't know what we go through. But Jesus knows every hurt. Jesus knows every pain. Jesus knows every temptation. Jesus knows everything you and I are experiencing, even right now. But once again, I want to remind you, faith is a substance. It's believing. It's not believing, wow, I hope things can change next year. It's believing that God is doing something right now. You mean in the midst of my pain? Yes. In the, in the midst of me seeing the answer? Not seeing the answer? Yes. In the midst of me not knowing what tomorrow really is going to be? Yes. It's the kind of, it's the kind of faith that just says, God, I know. I may not know who holds tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. See, it's, it's important that we know. Now, let's read Nehemiah. I, I'm, just, I'm not even going to read uh, all the passage that's on there, Michael. <laughs> I just want to read through verse... Let's just read through verse 3 or 4. In the month of Nisan, and, and if I can stop and just say this, now this is about a four-month period from chapter 1. Chapter 1 talks about, the, when he mentions the month of Shizel, he's talking about November, maybe into December. Now he launches into about March. So we're about four months into this. So what's been happening? He's been praying, he's been weeping, he's been fasting, because he hears... That all the wonderful things that are supposed to be happening have not happened and that the walls are still down and the people are still disgraced and in trouble. Things are not good. Has anybody experienced a time in your life where things are not good? And he's broken. He begins to weep. So for four months he's in continual prayer. He's fasting. He's crying out to God. 
but he's not jumped up and done anything. He's just been praying, as we talked about last week, God, not give me a miracle, but give me an opportunity. But when you pray for God to give you an opportunity, do not expect it to become free of preparation. There will be preparation. As prepared as you are, there will be continual preparation. I know some of us. Well, I, I'm quite prepared. No, you're not. Just work with people. Well, I've, I've learned. I've read two books. Um, listen, you never stop learning. You never stop experiencing things that will... You, you can think you are over certain issues and then just start flying in your own pride and just the simplest thing will make you so mad. It'll just make you fly off the handle. Right? I, well, I'm speaking for myself. Right? I know I shared this before, but several years ago, I was coming off of a fast. And then fasting, and, and I mean, I just, you know, if, if you're ever on a fast for any amount of time, it, the hunger goes, you're not even hungry anymore. And you just, you feel like you're just walking so close to God. I mean, everything's just powerful. And you even start to feel, this is, I probably shouldn't have come off. Because you start to feel like, man, I've not even been tempted. Nothing even tempts me anymore. This is a good place. I, I'm not tempted. To, I'm, hallelujah. Everything was spiritual wonderful. So I went to the church I was a part of at that time. And they were having a banquet that night. And I happened to walk in when they were cooking bread. And when I smelt it, I, I immediately felt the call to come off that fast. So I even prayed, Lord, if I've been on this long enough, I really I don't, nothing tempts me anymore except for this bread. And if it's only bread, come on. So I prayed myself into it. Set up for the banquet, helped them in that night, helped everybody. We had a great banquet. I ate, got sick. Because you eat too much and you just get sick. And then I went home and I, I, I didn't feel bad and beat myself up because I came off the fast. I realized that it was my pride that was saying, I'm not even tempted anymore. I walked out the door the next morning and everything you thought you overcome was like laughing at me. Why? Because you never stopped growing. You never stop walking in that faith. You never get to the place where you're somebody. That's, that's my greatest fear for any of us is that we start getting to the peaks of growth in our life and then we think that we've reached it. What you've done is peaked out. You don't climb higher mountains without going through more valleys. So, so Nehemiah finds himself four or five months down the road. How much time do I have? Good. <laughs> four or five months down the road. In the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was before him, he said, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been in his presence, and the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruin? And its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, let me just take this little part of the story and, and just break it down very quickly and make some application. 
it's, it's amazing sometimes how when we look at this, we realize that we, we already feel broken, but can I just make this statement? God, God will not use you greatly until he breaks you completely. Um, I, I'd like to think sometimes that God just chips a little bit away at a time. Um, but it's when I pour myself out to him and say, God, I, I, I want to... This should be done. This needs to be done in our, in our culture, in the church, in the city around us, in our neighborhoods. It always comes back to what are you going to let me do in you? Because God will not do anything greatly until we are broken completely. God doesn't want to punish you. He wants to use you. And so when I, when I look at this, first of all, I see a man who's been broken completely. I see a man who's poured himself out before God for months now. But, but nothing's really been happening. I believe that to a great extent we can see that he was simply in preparation. Preparation for what? Well, we know he didn't just jump out and go to build a wall. What we do know is that he stayed faithful where he was. He stayed faithful where he was. The last part of chapter 1 says, and he tells us this, I was a cupbearer to the king. And we start off here with him going into the king months later now to serve wine. First of all, what does a cupbearer do? He serves wine. Um, can you imagine if your job is to make sure I stay alive? And your job is to check the wine and check the food and make sure your countenance is always good. Because if your countenance is good, that means things must be going good. That means the wine must be safe it's when you come in serving wine like this good luck uh, that's why the king is like wait a minute why why are you so sad this isn't like you and that's code for um, security I need somebody who looks healthy I need I need somebody who looks like they have tested the wine and it's good. I need somebody who has tested the food and they know things are safe. Now, now why is that important? It's because a lot of times when we are um, going through the process of preparation, we rather go through the process of preference. What does that mean? That means instead of me going through the pressure of just sticking it out where I am, I'll just make a quick change. Because after all, if I go in front of the, the king and my countenance isn't good and I can't really get what I want, I could get killed. He really could have gotten killed. Because the king could have thought of disloyalty. The king could have thought, maybe somebody is trying to poison me and he doesn't want to fess up. It, they just, they were exchangeable. But instead he stuck it out. Why? Because our preferences tell us, just take the easy route. Get another job. Just you know, go somewhere where you don't feel the pressure. Go somewhere where you're not overwhelmed. Make a, just, just change. Preferences. Now, this is a touchy subject. I talk a lot about preferences lately. And I've talked about this before. It's our post-truth culture. Because we live in a culture, you can have anything you want the way you want it. It's all Burger King's fault. They started it years ago. Have it your way. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. 
right? Have it your way. And we merge that somehow into our theology. Hey, God doesn't get shaken up. God's never surprised. Have it your way. God will give you what you want. No, actually, he won't. God's got a standard. God's got a blueprint. And, and you can want things your way. I almost think it's wonderful when we act like toddlers before the king. Um, now, I, I, I wasn't raised, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of parents are raised with, you know, when the little child starts to have a fit and they just start kicking, they'll just sit hit me cute. Because they were, they were taught, just let him, let him finish. They'll just kick, him, kick all the energy up. See, my dad, my dad didn't have that training. My dad wasn't trained like that. My dad, my dad was more like, oh, you want to play. You want to kick. All right, well, come on. I'll, I'll give you a reason. To, I'll, you want to squirrel? Come on, I'll give you a reason. And the, the thing of it is, they didn't even have rules back then. You could do that. He could help you in the grocery store. He could help you in a restaurant. Um, and so I got to the point where um, I just only acted like that at home because I knew I was going to get it, it, but it might as well be in the privacy of our home, right? I didn't want to be a public spectacle. Um, but, but see, we, we know, and God deals with us in all kinds of different ways because when we start throwing our little tantrums, sometimes, you know, God will maybe just let us kick and scream till, till we're ready. Sometimes, depending on our circumstances, and, and please, it's, it, it's not that God doesn't love us. Sometimes I believe we think that God doesn't love us because he's letting me lay here and scream. If I'm making any sense, if, if God loved me, I wouldn't be feeling this way. If God really loved me, what God is saying is, I can't wait till next month because I know that if you'll just stay where you are, you're going to learn something. And what you're going to learn is, is going to take you to another level of maturity, another level of growth. I talked about this with church pastors for a long time. I come out of a denomination, a very powerful denomination that I love. It's not a part of it. But in that denomination, you could be uh, moved around just about every two years of your ministry. And I found out after a while that if you're not careful, you could have 25 years of experience and only have two years of ability. And let that sink in for a second. Because you've not stayed somewhere long enough to get four years of experience. You've not stayed in a situation long enough to, you know, and if a pastor would come to me, and I had gotten to a point I had not been at a church for more than four years, ever, and I was serving over 11 churches. And a pastor would come to me, man, I've been here for five years, man. What do I do? I don't know. What do you mean, what do you do? What? You've been here longer than I have. What do I do? Now, I'm not saying that you can't speak into people's lives. I'm trying to get a point across that you never stop learning. You never stop developing. You you never, what God is preparing you for, if you're not ready, don't worry. He'll take you around the mountain one more time. This is, I've got to come to a close here in a few minutes, but this is good. Because this is, really, this is the most important part of the message of this whole series. If you can't get past this, you can't get, you can't get to that next level.
it will not matter if you just decided to leave and leave in the middle of the night and leave the king and not know what the king was going to do to you or not. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be like Moses. I'm just going to run. God will straighten things out in the future. You, you could get to the wall and not a person there help you because the Spirit's not with you. But you decided to do it on your own, and now you're praying, oh, God, I need a miracle. He said, you better believe you do. But I wonder what life would have been like if, he, if Nehemiah would have done that. What do we see that he did? Number one, he stuck where he was. He stayed where he was. He, he didn't just jump from preference to preference and try to find that groove, trying to find the sweet spot, trying to find the great job. I can tell you right now, and I'm not just saying this, you can make the, less money, the least money you've ever made in your life and be more happy than you think you can be making more money and trying to be happy. So it's just pouring yourself out before God. But the second thing he did was, listen, he, he honored the king. That, that's just saying we've got to walk in humility. When he came before the king, the king said, what's with the sad face, man? What's up with the sad countenance? Is anything wrong? Or you, you've not been sick. So, and he said, O king, live forever. Now, why is humility a, a, a critical part of what I'm talking about this morning because the great thing God does in your life will never be based on who you are or what you can do it'll be based on what God does through you now we know historically Nehemiah gets all the credit right we talk, he's got a book written in his name we talk about not Nehemiah's great leadership skills and his ability to have people come together in odd, difficult circumstances and rebuild the wall in 52 days. Isn't Nehemiah great? But Nehemiah knew way back at the beginning, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Nehemiah knew way back in the beginning, O king, live forever. I'm, no, I'm a cupbearer. I wonder what would happen if we just went through life. I'm, I'm a butler. I'm a pastor. I'm a servant. Those really aren't prestigious sounding titles, are they? Uh, John, what do you do? I'm a lowly servant. Well, that doesn't sound very humble, so I've got to change that. But it's, it just means we've got to walk in such humility. It's not about titles. It's not about position. It's about understanding that if we just walk out who God's called us to be, it, it, people may never even know our name, but they'll know our God. People may even, they, they, may, they may never even know your pedigree. But I, I love what the king asked him. He says, um, what, what is it that you want? And then he talks about, listen, he talks about relationship. Why is that important? He could have easily said, O king, a long time ago in a land far away, First, the Assyrians came in and wiped out a bunch of the northern tribes. We've never even heard of them since. But us two southern tribes have been struggling, and then Babylon came in and wiped us out, and for seven years we've been exiled. For seven years we've been scattered. For seven years we just have nothing. Poor us, victim, 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 victim. And then, thank God, the Assyrians came in and wiped out the Babylonians. So now, O king, I'm looking to you because I'm just trying to get back at the enemy. No. He comes in and says, My father's my father's graves 
turned up and all the relationships that were so vital to me have just been turned upside down and nothing is sacred anymore. Relationships. I'm going to jump into this next week. But I just want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, are, are you trying to get away from what you're in right now? Are you willing to understand that God's got you there for a purpose? But pastor, it's painful. I know. It's in that same type of setting that with great drops of blood flowing from his brow with sweat, Jesus said, it's not my will. God, if, if there was a way out, Father, let this cup pass from me but it's not about me. It's what you're doing in me. And that's a tough pill to swallow. It is. Because there's none of us in this room who have never wanted to say, I'm done. I'm finished. I can't do this anymore. That, that is common to man, guys. But it's when you stand before God and, and you say, okay, whatever you're doing in my life, Lord, I'm not going to just take the exit ramp. I think a lot of us in the church do this a lot and we just pray for the rapture not understanding what we're really praying for you know it's, it's not Jesus it's not let's just get out of here card he's here his kingdom come his will be done he's, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth we're not going as far as you think we're ruling and reigning with him we're just going to be with him and what I'm saying is, start. let him start doing a work in your life now that's going to have eternal purposes. Let him start doing a work in your life, not just to make things better for next week, but for eternity. Let him start doing, keep doing that thing in your life, that even though it's painful now, even though you don't understand it now, even though it doesn't make sense now, God is doing a work in you. Don't run from it. But secondly, walk in humility. Now, why is that important for us in our relationships within the church or within our families. I know you don't know anybody like this, but people like to lord over each other. People like to show each other who's the boss. It's very difficult to do when you're constantly saying, faith is a substance. What does that mean? <laughs> God. God is here. Jesus Christ came incarnate. I say this jokingly sometimes, but I practice it myself, and I tell other couples to do this, but I, I know it's impossible at times, but that when you really, husbands and wives, when you really get into a good argument, just sit down and have communion together. That would be sacrilegious to how I'm thinking. That's exactly why he died for us. So we are one sacrilegious bunch. And it'll mess up a good fight, I'm telling you. Because when you sit down and realize that God is there, all of a sudden you realize that everything you're trying to get your way on means nothing. Because his body, he came to us. He became flesh. It was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. With that kind of a sacrifice, it's impossible for me to demand others to make a sacrifice until I have made a sacrifice. So don't go home and have communion today to prove a point. What I am saying is walk humbly. Am I making sense? But then lastly, walk in relationship. I'm pointing you to Jesus Christ on this, guys. 
This isn't about a relationship with the king of Persia. It's about a relationship with the king of kings. This isn't about what Artaxes can produce for us because we'll see next week that when God blesses you he'll resource you and when God blesses you he'll provide a way where there seems no way he'll open doors that seem impossible he'll make streams in the desert and you're still going to have challenges but I promise you he will make a way how many this morning need a way just, just be bold you need a way I want to pray with you let's all stand together Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that each person here this morning would just simply ask themselves as we reflect and run to you in prayer. What is it, Lord? What is it, Lord, that, that maybe I'm trying to run from? Maybe I'm trying to find the easy way out, but what is it, Lord, that quite possibly you're wanting me to, to stay in? Lord and, and we're praying and we're, we're seeking your face and we're, we're trying to find the right ways because we really are trying to make sense of things we really are trying to make sense of our circumstances but God I pray that, that today when we walk in humility and we walk in relationship with you we realize that it's not us and you but it's you in us and you will meet us right where we are and as we walk with you, Lord, there's something powerful about your Holy Spirit just simply saying, this is the way. Walk in it. But Lord, I don't understand all the circumstances. Give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes it's just a step by step. And God, I pray that you just speak to us. Lord, I pray that you touch my brothers and sisters who are, who are hurting even this morning. Lord, again, I lift up Barry and the entire family, Lord, and Nicole and, and the Bucci family, Lord, and the extended families. God, I just pray for a peace, but God, I also pray that, that they experience your power through this process. Lord, we know that we have lost a loved one, but I love what our brother said this last week, Lord. <laughs> Nothing's really lost when you know where to find it. We know that she is in your presence. But Lord, even for other brothers and sisters who are wrestling through circumstances that seem out of control, God, I just pray that they see a holy anointing on their situation. It may be painful. It may be sin-driven. There may be terrible things going on. But in the name of Jesus Christ, it's what you're doing in us so you can do something through us. Lord, I pray that you move in every family. I pray that you move in every individual. I pray, God, that you move in businesses. I pray, God, that you move in our schools. I pray, God, that you move in, in ministries all over this city. It's not about just Grace River. Lord, it's about what you're doing in the lives of people all around us. Help us to not lose sight, Lord, that when we leave this building, you've not stopped moving. So, God, have your way, I pray. Lord, I pray that you, thank you, Father, for our youth being so patient today. But God, I pray that you speak to them. Help even them, Lord, to know that there's something happening in them that, that may not feel good, may not, may not understand at this time, but you who began a good work in us will complete it. 
Lord, the brothers and sisters in this place that, that truly have been saying, I, I just have to make some changes. We, we all agree. But Lord, let us make the changes that not just could be, but should be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor Josh is going to come in just a moment and dismiss us and receive the offering. But I, I do, when he dismisses, I want to encourage us. If you need special prayer today, we want you to come forward. We want to pray with you. Whatever those needs are, we, we don't want to lose that, that moment of prayer. But if you need prayer, we want you to come forward. But Josh, if you'll please come. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.